Raised the Jolly Roger with a slick double play. And oh, what a stop, Hayes! There's one! Oh, zip, zap, kazoo! The Buckos just turned two! Ground ball, left side, picked. Oh, Castillo, a pretty play on the first, and a double play! In between hop, and now throwing toward third base, a pick by Hayes! Oh, my goodness, what a play! Key Brian Hayes and Michael Chavis turn it into a double play! Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the 412 Double Play Podcast. Welcome to episode 29 of the 412 Double Play Podcast. My name, as always, is Michael Castrogano. Today is January 1st, 2023. Uh, joining me, my co-host, Ed Wassel. Ed, happy new year. How are you doing today? Just stay up to watch the ball drop last night? Yeah, happy new year. Uh, doing well. We did stay up to watch the ball drop. And we actually watched the second one drop in Louisiana. And then we went to bed. No way. We, my wife and I were out before 11 last night. My kid's getting up at 4.30 right now. And we had her family over today. Uh, like her brothers and their families and her aunt who lives nearby. Uh, so it, it was, we had 20 people over in our tiny little living room. So it was, uh, it was crowded, but it was a lot of fun. We got catered food and. We had a good time. So looking forward to an exciting 2023. Lots of things to be excited about with the Pirates. Um, let, let's look into the roster roundup for some of the transactions we've had in the past two weeks. Pirates made the Austin Hedges signing official December 20th with Diego Castillo being the corresponding DFA off the roster. He was later traded to the Diamondbacks for minor league pitcher Scott Randall. Kind of negligible on that. Pitcher Nick Mears, who was DFA to clear a spot for Connor Joe two weeks ago, was claimed by the Rangers. He has since been DFA'd by the Rangers. Left-handed pitcher Harlan Garcia, signing finally completed after some personal issues delayed the process. Right-handed pitcher Bryce Wilson, DFA'd to clear space. And then Pirates made a big free agent splash to end the week, inking oldest active MLB player and right-handed pitcher Rich Hill to a one-year $8 million deal pending physical. Uh, I think that's the highest free agent signing contract that they put out. I think Vince Velasquez was like five million. Santana maybe was. I think Santana was like six and a half. I think was Santana. So I have to go and look. But uh, Ed, any thoughts on those signings and the corresponding moves? Uh. I like bringing Connor Joe back. I think his defense is good and the bat has some potential. I know he's not exactly young, but Pittsburgh did draft him. I know he has said uh, when being drafted, his dream of being in majors at that point was always to play at PNC. So that's neat that he got to come back. 
Yeah, I think that's really exciting. I like his plate discipline. He has really good patience at the plate, and I don't think we have enough guys who have that. We have some pretty free-swinging middle infielders. It also gives us a right-handed hitter. We've got Anduar. We've got Velade, and I feel like it's possible that Joe is at least up there with them, potentially better, hopefully better. Yeah, I think probably better at this point. So, and Bryce Wilson's gone now. Uh, he was a guy who was fringe to even, I mean, at, at that point, he was, he was fringe uh, rotation per fan graphs as of last week. But it seems like they're not going to need it. They've got Rich Hill. Um, we're going to get into the rotation in a couple weeks. But um, it's starting to kind of, like, come in place. It's not going to be the best rotation in baseball, but with Contreras, Keller, Brubaker, Hill, and then potentially Velasquez. Seems like that's where they're leaning. That fifth spot might be something of a, you know, carousel of Oviedo, Ortiz. You know, later on in the season, you've got Priester and Burroughs who could come in and take that spot. But it's not... We're going into this upcoming season with a better-looking rotation than last year. Yeah, and so like some of those guys you listed are kind of just bridge players, just waiting for uh, Ortiz, Burroughs, Priester to get a little more uh, experience behind them. Yeah, I've been trying to go back and watch some footage of guys playing. I was watching Quinn Priester. I think it was like a game in September where he was pitching and um, fastballs like mid nineties. He's got good break on his curve uh, slider cuts really well in like the upper eighties. It he's, he's got three very discernible solid pitches. I am excited to see how he does in Indianapolis because he hasn't had, he, he's shown flashes of solid starts but i'm hoping that he takes that next step forward and uh, is it you can't expect every pitcher or every player or any player really to be able to just surge through the minors and be successful and then come up and be successful in the majors guys can do that it is possible it's just not gonna happen very often no, Priester's got got some really good stuff, and uh, he could potentially be an ace in the rotation. Yeah, there's typically growing pains with just about everybody that eventually does come up. You, like you said, you do have your unicorns that fly through the system and just are stellar from the start, but that's unicorns. Yeah. But Rich Hill being brought in, what are your thoughts on him? We talked a couple weeks ago about who was still left on the market, and uh, Joe had mentioned Hill still being out there. And I was uh, a little bit, you know, uh, pushing it off because 42, I think, what, he's going to be 43 in March? I believe he is the oldest player currently. He is currently the oldest, yes. Now that Pujols is retired, Hill has the mantle. But Dick Mountain, as his nickname is, uh, there's got to be shirts. There has to be shirts for Dick Mountain. If there's not shirts, we need to make shirts. Absolutely. Um, he's had a pretty, what, 
18 years, 19 years in the majors. He's played for like 12 teams. Um, he had a no hitter. I think he had a perfect game actually in PNC until Jay Hay a couple years ago until Jay Hay hit that walk off home run when he was with the Dodgers. So we we have seen Rich Hill and he's shown that he can be talented. That curve, that you know, sixty nine mile power curve, has a ton of break. Yeah, we were watching lovely. some footage of that last week. I've been saying it for a while. As long as you can hit your spots, you don't need to be throwing ninety seven, ninety eight. Yep. So. And if if you looked at a few his I think was his last like six or seven starts this past season, he did really well. Down the stretch, he had really started to pick it up. He hasn't been able to stay healthy for an extended period of time. The past few years, but you know he's going to be forty three. That's something that can happen if we get. I, I think I read something the other day. If you're looking to get uh, one hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty innings from him. It might be on the lower end of that. And that's fine because he's going to come in. He's going to get innings. Um, I think his ERA when he went five plus innings was like under two. So typically if he's going to have a bad game, it's going to happen early and you're just going to have to pull him. Yeah. I guess. This is the takeaway. I'd have to go back and look at all the stats. But if Shelton handles the rotation anything like he did last year, he wasn't letting anybody go past five innings anyway. Right. So. And at least early on in the season, that's going to still be the case as they're stretching guys out. But I am optimistic about the pitching staff with these changes. Um, I like Harlan Garcia. Um, Hedges was a good signing. Cast- Diego Castillo being cut, I'm not too surprised because I don't think he had a position. The only thing he could really do was hit lefties. And that was it. Couldn't hit righties. Didn't feel like he was great at fielding. They moved him to the outfield and he was all about doing it, but it, it just was not a fit for him. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't atrocious at second base, but it's that spot isn't available for him. So Yeah. So, and then Nick Mears, good velocity, can't stay healthy. Kind of figured that one was going to happen eventually. So we'll see when they make the which Rich Hill signing official, what the corresponding move is on that. But let's move on to our special for this week, which is going to be the start of, what, what will this be, like a four-part series? I have to look back at my oh. topics. Five-part series. Like, yeah, I'm going to say. <laughs> Um, of breaking down different positions, outfield, infield, starting pitching, relief pitching, and then finally the bench depth, which I think that'll kind of be dependent on how we predict the starters to be. But we'll get to that in a couple weeks. So starting today with outfield, um, Ed, what are your thoughts on the outfield and and kind of how it's laid out? Well, I'm going to start off with saying we have a very crowded outfield at this point. Um, but realistically, there's probably 
I think I think we discussed there was eleven options, and I'd say only six of them should be starters. Are you saying throughout the course of the season, or from those only six should start, like to make the team? Uh, not not to make the team. I'm just saying I think six of them have everyday player potential. So okay. probably going to have to thin that out a little bit. Or find other roles for them. They could potentially be bench guys. I've got at least one who I think is going to be kind of like a super utility player. So let yeah. me go through through my list, and then we'll kind of discuss on each one of them. Okay. So I'm going to start with number one on the obvious one, Brian Reynolds. If he's not traded, he's the only lock for the outfield right now. Fangraphs currently has him projected for a four war next season, a WRC plus of 125. He's even in his down, like 2022 was considered a down year. He still hit 27 home runs, which was his career high. He's had a really weak lineup around him. I think we're going to be seeing this season a much better squad for him to be playing around. Hopefully that helps with his batting average, his on-base percentage, and maybe, fingers crossed, his comfortability with staying on the Pirates for at least the next couple of years and not re-demanding a trade. Uh, whether that's in center field or left field, I don't know. Defensively, he got he wasn't great in center. He was very unlucky. But uh, he just doesn't have the he, – he's not going to be the most um, – I don't want to say athletic, but the best defensive center fielder of the options that we have available. Maybe he'll be the best defensive center fielder of the options that they end up playing. And if that's the case, then I'm fine with him going to center. But left field in PNC Park is basically a second center field. Yeah, I think uh, defensively he projects better in left field. <clears throat> I don't know who necessarily would take over center. Uh, Swaggerty would be an option, but it doesn't seem like the people in charge. I don't know if they don't have confidence in him. Yeah. Or just don't see him as a fit. I have Swaggerty pretty far down my list. So let's just uh, discuss. Well, Reynolds we have as a lock. So let me go with my number two, which is Jack Sawinski. He potentially could be a center fielder. He's one of the best defensive options. Really good arm. Took big strides at the end of the season, cutting down his strikeout rate and increasing his walk percentage. He wasn't swinging at... Um, slider, like breaking pitches out of the zone. He was being a little bit more patient at the plate. Anytime you'll see him on the broadcast after an at-bat, you see him with his little pencil and notebook. I mean, he is just really great dedication to learning and getting better. And we really did see that show up down the stretch. Yeah, and he made a big jump from double-A up to the major. So it was going to take him a little extra time to adjust to the off speed and stuff like that. Yep. So, uh, Fangraph has him hitting 17 home runs approximately 
with a 749 OPS. I think that would be okay. They have him only playing 89 games, 365 plate appearances. So um, extrapolate that out over a full season, he potentially leads the team in homer runs. I mean, you know, not looking at Cruz's numbers. <laughs> right. He'd but, be sitting somewhere around 30. He'd be, yeah, pretty close to... Um, I think it would probably get, get him at like 28. 27, 28. But, because you figure he'd probably be at like 160, at most, 160 games. But, that's a solid corner outfield... They've got him batting 225. I think he can definitely do that. He's picking it up with the walks. If he's walking enough, getting on base anyway, over like 310, 320, and hitting that kind of home run numbers with the other guys around him, his RBIs are going to go up. And, you know, that's going to play. Especially, he was great against right-handed pitching, and he was great at home. We've got some right-handed um, hitters as options for outfield if he needs to get into a platoon situation. And that's the only reason why I'm like hesitant on making him a lock because we, for some reason, end up facing a ton of lefties. And he just can't do it at any other ballpark except PNC. Yeah. The weirdest thing. Don't get it. I mean, PNC, friendly confines for a left-handed hitter, but nowhere else. Just wild. He had like what? Not one. He had, I think, three or maybe three extra base hits away. But I can't be right because I think he had a couple home runs. It was not. I think by the end of the season, he maybe had like 10 or 12 hits overall away. So. That's my number two. Any thoughts on uh, Sawinski? No, he would be, he's probably my number two as well. So right, right now it looks like he's got right field locked down. Yeah. With the arm and the defense could shift over to center. Yeah. With the recent anniversary of uh, Clemente's death, 50 years yesterday. RIP. Great one. Um, Man, I was watching some footage people were posting on that, and he had a cannon. And Sawinski's got a pretty good arm. I don't know if I've seen any. Maybe Jose Guillen, uh, when he used to play right field, he had a great arm. He'd throw people out, like, from the warning track at third on the fly. Um, but man, Clemente just had an excellent arm. Sawinski's got a really good arm, and you need a good arm from right field. I would argue you need a good arm from any position. But uh, my next guy on the list, going with the right-handed hitter, and that's Miguel Anduar. Uh, he's currently got $5 million for arbitration. The team's not going to pay him that kind of money to ride the pine. Seems uh, most like, likely. Oh, he, I thought he agreed to a $1.5 million deal to avoid arbitration. No, it was, uh, let me just double check on that, but I'm pretty sure it was 5 million. Yeah, I thought it was like 1.57 or something like that. 
One point. Oh, 1.525. Why did I think it was 5 million? I don't know. Okay. All right. Possible he's <laughs> not. <laughs> All right. Well, I've, I've got him in kind of a, a weird position here. Thank you. <laughs> you got me there. All right. So I, I still think he's at this point maybe a front runner for that because I don't know. I, I, I think he's he's got a shot. He's proven himself, you know, years ago that he's got talent. Um, he showed flashes of skill in, like, his short stint the last couple weeks of the season. He doesn't have any other position. He's got first base DH as his other options, but Troy and Santana pretty much have him limited to, I think, just left field. So I think if... They didn't have spring training and had to make the decision. I would say Anduar in left, Sawinski in right, and Reynolds in center would be how they go. And I don't necessarily think that's the best lineup. Um, But I think that those are their top three options right now. And obviously, things can shake out differently with spring training. Injuries can happen. Guys could play poorly guys could play great and things could change i think barring anything those are the top three front runners i i think i disagree with andahar as a the number three guy i was leaning more Uh, towards uh smith and jigba as my number three guy Okay, so I really like CSM. I have him down a little lower because of his wrist injury, you know, cutting off all of 2022, pretty much. I mean, what he came up in June, and then he had that wrist injury two games into his debut. Um, so where did I say I have him at eight? But I have a lot more faith in him than some of the guys ahead of him. I just based off of where I think everything stands right now, he could have a great spring training and rise up the ranks. He's a left-handed hitter that would give you two lefties and a switch hitter in the outfield. But like I said, Swaggerty probably platoons. CSN, I think has a little bit more even numbers against lefties and righties possibly would be able to do it. So I guess we, we kind of stack it up. Reynolds obviously has a spot, unless he's traded. Then it's a free-for-all. You figure you want to have potentially two lefties or one lefty and one righty. How are are you feeling on that? Obviously, you've got two lefties if you're saying CSN. I would... I don't know. His arm's okay. I guess I'd put him in left. Like I, I don't know if you want to say you, ideally you want two lefties in the outfield. <clears throat> I mean, we already have a, a fairly left-handed heavy lineup to begin with. It's but, getting uh, a bit more balanced. It, it is balancing um, out. Yeah. So Hedges is. Is Hedges a right-handed hitter? 
Hedges is a right-handed hitter. Okay. But do you really count him as a hitter? Not a no. <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be our nine hitter. Maybe he'll be DH four, and we'll have the pitcher hit. Um, yeah, he's not. Um, but Castro is a switch hitter. Santana's a switch hitter. Reynolds is a switch hitter. Hayes is a right-handed hitter. Uh, somebody, I think I think it was a voice from the graves posted on Twitter the other day about how. Um, we might have the most switch hitters in the lineup in history. And I was joking back, we could end up having five if it plays out right, because Castro, Santana, Reynolds, and then Endy, when he comes up, could potentially be in a lineup one day, and Heinemann's a switch hitter. Circumstances would have to be exactly right, but we could have five of nine hitters in the lineup being switched. Which is actually pretty sweet when you think about it. Yeah. If if they're able to perform really well. Usually with switch hitters, they're better at one side than the other. I don't think that's... I remember that being the case with, like, Neil Walker. He didn't hit as well right-handed. Um, although some seasons, for some reason, he would just go off because small sample size. But Reynolds, I think, is pretty even. Andy, I've seen being very even. Castro, I think, has been pretty good. I think you usually with switch hitters, it's like your power comes from one side. Yeah. But I think you can, as far as uh, just like your, your average, you can be fairly consistent for both sides. Interesting. Possibly true. I, I think that's likely because they get more left-handed swings because they're basically more right-handed hitter or pitchers that they're more likely to be consistent from that side. But it just makes sense. All right, well, well, let's get back. to someone that's more consistent from the right-hand side, too. Don't just assume that they're more consistent on the left with power. Yeah. Maybe? Something all we right, can well, dive into. <laughs> yeah, I'll get a list of all the switch hitters through history and uh, disseminate that. All right, let me go to number four on my list. I don't know if you have, like, a depth chart in your mind or if you're looking at just the 40-man right now. But number four for me, and I'm, I'm very hesitant on this because I feel like there's, it's just, like, such a mixed bag after Reynolds, really, is Cal Mitchell. So his arm is fringy. Don't necessarily want him in the outfield, but he's hit at every level. He was really clicking down the stretch in Pittsburgh and over. So he got called up like two or three times, but over 63 games in Indy over the season, a 938 OPS. Like the bat seems like it can play. He's starting to put things together. I don't know if it's playing enough to be like a DH spot. But I really don't like that arm in the outfield. What are your thoughts on Mitchell? I do like Mitchell. I feel like if he's going to play in the outfield, his best shot is in left field. Like you mentioned with the arm, your arm doesn't have to be as good out and left. 
But like you said, his his bat has been coming along really good. Yeah. So I wouldn't hate to see him in the lineup. Yeah, behind Reynolds and Sawinski, uh, Fangraphs has Cal Mitchell in the outfield for 91 games, which is actually uh, third most, actually behind Reynolds and Anduar. If Anduar at 94 games, but they have him putting up a 1.1 WAR with a 112 WRC plus. Well, it's above average. <laughs> Yeah, I, really, that's that's what you're looking for. Above average players and get other guys to try to push them out and other guys to try to push them out. Survival of the fittest kind of thing. Yeah. So, possible. I think, I'm pretty sure he only played right field in Pittsburgh. I'd have to go and check stats and Try to figure out that, but I think he was only in right. He's another left-handed hitter. So you put him in left, you put Sawinski in right, and Reynolds in center, and that's kind of your situation with two, really three lefties. Which is fine. Like I said, Mitchell has pretty good splits. And if he can keep the momentum that he ended the season with. I feel like a lot of guys really built up momentum to end the season. Sawinski, Mitchell, Cruz. Uh, a lot of them were really clicking. Yeah, a lot so, of the young talent is really coming along. Yep. So let me uh, group the next two together. So my five and six guys, both right-handed hitters, Connor Joe and Ryan Velade. Joe has solid on base percentage and... Right-handed hitter, we don't have a lot of those right now. Velade is a younger version of Joe with a bit more power potential. So Joe's more established. Velade is has like potentially higher upside. I think I I don't know this for a fact, but I want to say that Joe has a pretty good arm as well. I think so. Let the check that on. on. Um, Everything's just loading slow. All right, what else do you have on that? What else do I have on that? Yeah, mean? he's got a 50-grade arm. And he's got some pretty good power. But yeah, yeah. I like the plate discipline. He's always had a walk percentage of, what, at least 11 at every level he's been at. And basically, we need guys that get on base. So... So, Velade, I feel like he's right now just kind of hovering around. Will they cut him? Won't they cut him? I think he has an option still left. So, Joe actually has two options left. I don't know uh, if that's going to be exercised, but 
Uh, Vlade has two options left as well. So he's. It, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But he's also walked at pretty good numbers and strikeouts. You know, reasonable. Usually between fifteen and twenty percent. Yeah, not gonna find a whole lot of players that do better than that. Yep. So I think they're gonna wanna keep him on the roster. Potentially in AAA for depth. Um next guy I have here, I don't really know where he fits in. I've only got him at seven because I feel like uh, Charrington wants him. And that's uh, Tukapita Marcano. <laughs> so he was up a couple times in 2022. He's a potential super utility guy. But he's really a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none sort of thing. Uh, he doesn't hit for power. Doesn't hit for average. Uh, like, good on-base percentage. Yeah, it seems like he, he walks a decent amount. He does have another minor league option, so I think he's going to start the year with Indy. But I just don't... Uh, I don't know. He I played have pretty well. Go on. Uh, he played pretty well in the minors last year. It just he was so bad with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I have him as my lowest option as far as the outfield goes. And I just, I don't know. He hasn't shown me anything special yet. Yeah. I I, I think think he can potentially be a trade piece. I don't think that anybody's going to want him right now because he's not. I mean, the thing is, okay. Triple A last year, 25 games, 115 plate appearances. He batted to a line of 287, 365, 426. Double A, 31 games, 122 plate appearances. He had a 303, 413, 475 triple slash. But in Pittsburgh, 49 games, 177 plate appearances, 206, 256, 306. Like, his slugging was lower than his on-base percentage at either Altoona or Indianapolis. And his WRC plus was 57. So he's 50% as good, 57%, as good as a replacement-level player, essentially. Yeah. I mean, he's still young. He is talented. And I... I I want to say he was actually like a middle infielder. But I don't think we got, I don't think he uh, was necessarily an outfielder for uh, San Diego, was he? Um, I don't know what he did with San Diego. Let me see if I can find the defensive parts. Uh, we've had, a, we did him as both. Like short, it's a shortstop. Like second base and uh, left field. Uh, 
But so I mean, yes, it's a potential that it clicks. Um, and like I said, we're seeing it in the minor leagues. If he can get that to translate, then that would be great. And then he'd be more than just this quad A guy that it's otherwise seeming like he is. Yeah, and it, it, he's only 23. Yep. So he's still really young. Yeah, and he got pushed up really quick. Uh, I think the Padres maybe stymied his development by calling him up a little too early. And possible that Sherrington's doing the same thing. So give him some time in Indy. He's going to have some talented guys to be playing around. I don't... Uh, boy, the outfield situation there is going to be crowded, too. Yeah. I'll get to that when we do the Indy breakdown, but... Uh, next one I have is CSN. Talked about him. I Honestly, I could see him as a 20 home run, 20 doubles kind of guy. He's got... I think he's like 5'10", 5'11", but it, he, he looks like he's just all muscle. So his brother's at a standout linebacker at Ohio State. Do you remember what it is, what his brother is? I thought he was a tight end. He's a big football player. And um, CSM has some really great power. Haven't seen it unlocked in the minors. The results, but the ball just explodes off his bat. Also, only 23. He has two minor league options. 100% chance he's going to start the season in Indy. But he'll be at spring training. He's on the 40 man. He's someone to keep an eye on because I, I think that he's got some real talent. And uh, yeah, I agree. Like I said, I, I had him kind of in my top three, which I mean, doesn't yeah. necessarily put him as an opening day starter, but. You can still be brain yeah. tired than somebody and have to work your way up. So, yeah, if he can stay healthy, looks like he only played. 73 games in 2021 and then across AAA and majors in 22, only 55 games. So I have to go back and look at his injury history as to what happened in 21, but. Yeah, I mean, 22, you have a collision. There's not much you can do. It's it's not like yeah. someone's constantly pulling a hamstring or, you know, shoulder fatigue, right. stuff like that. Yeah. Hopefully it's not any kind of lingering issue. And then number nine, I have Swaggerty, who we talked about before. Defensively talented. Bat hasn't progressed as many would had hoped it would. He's had injury issues, lost 2020 season to COVID. Uh, honestly, might be a casualty for the roster depth kind of crunch. Losing time and potentially losing a spot on the 40-man. Right now, I have him the lowest of all the nine currently listed outfielders. I know I had you. <clears throat> we, we were texting. Uh, was it earlier in the week or last week when you were asking what I thought a corresponding move was going to be for? I believe Garcia, and I mentioned that he could be TFA'd. Yeah. 
Which, if that were the case, he would get traded to somebody. You it know, seems former like first round pick, still young. Yeah, you never know what another team sees in analytics and stuff like that. It's been tough because so this past year had very what, four games he was up, and I think he had like a handful of plate appearances with the Pirates. I think maybe nine. Yeah. It, it, it must have been something like that. Like, he started two of the games, then came in off the bench for two of the other games. Um, and then he was with the Indy the rest of the year. But I feel like the last month or so, he didn't play. I read that it may have been personal issues. I'm not going to dive into that because, you know, that's their business. But um, wasn't able to play towards the end of the season. So, missed time there. Injury in 2021, lost 2020 because of COVID. I mean, he was drafted in 2018, so 2019 was the only season we're able to really look at. And let me just pull up his stats from that year. Yeah, his development was really hindered by the COVID and, you know, a couple of injuries. It's tough. He, oh, so low A, he had 36 games in 2018 and had pretty good numbers, so striking out a fair amount, but had a 140 WRC plus. 2019, he was in high A, had a 120 WRC plus with, let's see, nine home runs in 121 games, but you know, 23 stolen bases. And a t- uh, 11% walk rate. But then only 12 games. In, yeah, pretty much the first couple weeks of the season, he got injured in 21. 12 games. Uh, played 107 games in AAA this year. But I guess slugging was only 399. On base was pretty good. 348, 254 batting average. But he's also striking out 25.5% of the time. Yeah, it's a little rough. So... The problem is because he lost 2020, he went from high A right to triple A in 21. And then only played 12 games, so he's doing triple A again in 22. And then... Probably triple A again in 23. Yeah, well, he's not going to start in the majors. If... It, it's it's tough. Like Those 2018 draftees are really in a rough situation because of losing that minor league season of development. And so many of them got pushed up because they needed to see what they had in 21 because they were all Rule 5 eligible after it. And then it didn't matter because they didn't have the draft. But uh, So last two guys on my list, G1 Bay and Jared Triolo. So, Bay, he's listed as an infielder on the 40-man. Has played outfield. Has a speed to cover a ton of ground. He's mostly been put in center field when he's been in the outfield. I think he's had some games in the left. Being one of the few speedy guys, I would like to see him back up sooner than later. I don't know that he starts the season on the 26-man just because he does have a minor league option. He might actually have two. And um, he 
She had more than two. Let me check. Don't don't you start with six? No, you start with three. Oh. He has three because he was added to the 40-man and was an option back. So he has three minor league options. Um, Ten games in 2022. Obviously small sample size, only 37 plate appearances. But... uh, 333, 405, 424, triple slash. He had, let's see. But he was putting up great numbers in triple A. Yeah, like he's his, put up great numbers everywhere he's been. He's been very solid. And you, it's hard to say, okay, ignore his past. The, the uh, personal issues are not something that is great. I posted... Uh, I think somebody had asked about the Pirates signing Bauer, and I was like, oh, I, don't, I wouldn't want to touch that with the personal issues. Besides the fact that the sticky stuff is a big reason why he was successful. And well, uh, I wanted to ask you where you got the sticky stuff from, because he was a big person that was against the sticky stuff. He was. So here's what happened with Bauer. He said, oh, you know, Garrett Cole is using sticky stuff, using like all saying like all these guys using this stuff. If if I wanted to, I could be so good using sticky stuff. And uh statisticians who are much smarter at me than this stuff noticed that smarter one inning me. <laughs> smarter than me at this stuff. <laughs> Can go back and listen to see if I actually said that, but smarter than me at this stuff. Noticed that there was one inning a couple of years ago, uh, when did he win the Cy Young? Twenty was it? Twenty twenty? That's the shortened season. The, did he win it with the Dodgers or no? He won it with the Reds. So it was with the Indians uh, in like twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen that uh, there was one inning where his uh, the rotation of his pitches had jumped like six hundred. So it went from like 2,200 rotations per minute to like 2,800, 2,900 on his fastball, which is insane. That would be like one of the – and it was just for that inning, and it was following him posting like, you know, if I wanted to, I could, you know, do this and get the – like he's very dedicated to the kind of scientific stuff and, and getting better and just a lot of odd stuff. He's, he's really – Oh, he's an oddball, but – yeah, but so he was able to do that. And then his Cy Young season with the Reds, his RPM was off the charts. It was like way above his career averages. And it was his walk year. So he was able to do this over, what, like 13 starts? Because shortened season. Have a great season, win a Cy Young. Dodgers give him a monster contract. Played, what, five games before got suspended? And now the Dodgers are going to cut him. So they've got a couple days, what, January 6th, I think, they've got until. But it it seems almost a sure thing that they're going to cut him and just eat the contract. He won't be on the market long. No, someone's going to take a shot. Maybe the Mets. Yeah, I can see the Mets doing it. I can see the Yankees doing it. 
Hell, why not the Rangers? Could be. Could be any of the teams. So, uh, but anyway, personal allegations aside, Bay has performed at every level, great speed, and with the elimination of the shift, being left-handed hitter, he could, you know, kind of do these drag bunts and not have to worry about three guys on the right side of the infield to be able to gobble those balls up. Regret in saying that. <laughs> oh, PG-13 guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as much as we've said, the shift being eliminated might make less balls and plays turn into outs. Uh, I I think that it will be beneficial for guys like Santana, and it will be beneficial for guys like Bay, because he'll sure. have those it, o- opportunities. It will benefit some some players. So uh, let me go through. I would I would like to see Bay, Bay on the opening day roster. I don't know where he plays, but I think having him leading off is what the team actually needs. He, he's a traditional prototypical leadoff hitter because he's a speedy guy. He's a, I don't want to use the comparison because like just because Asian left-handed hitter, but he's like our Ichiro. Yes. Because he, he's speedy. He, I think it has a really good eye for the ball. Doesn't nearly have the arm that Ichiro had. No, he Still doesn't has. have the pop either. But no, but that's okay. You, you're not expecting that from your leadoff hitter, unless we're batting Cruz leadoff. But I don't see a reason to do that. Never know. So the other one I have is the only one on this list who hasn't seen the major leagues yet, and that's a recent addition to the forty-man, Jared Triolo, and uh, he's got Gold Glove defense at third but he's also played well at shortstop center and i'm thinking could be a bench guy strong defense can you know spot guys at can spot for hayes can spot for cruz potentially castro but he also could potentially be an outfield option because he's played there and he's, he's played there pretty well yeah and with the injuries Hayes has dealt with, it doesn't hurt to have another gold glover that can fill right in. Yeah. Now he's only made it to double A. So seems it's not impossible that he gets called up to start the season. Pretty unlikely. He's not like, you know, one of our top tier prospects that they're worried about service time, anything like that. But at the same time, he just played in double A. Played in double A all year. Um, got like team MVP or something. Strong walk and strikeout rates, like numbers that you want to see. Um, let me see 12.7% for walk and 17.6% for strikeout. So you want to keep the walks above 10 and the strikeouts under 20. Yeah. 
I'm not even that concerned that he hasn't played above double A because there's a handful of players on our team that never played above double A. Well, that's the thing, though, because Charrington said that he's okay with saying, okay, guys can come from double A and just go fit right in. But the guys that he's called up from double A to fit right in didn't fit in immediately. Like Castillo was called up from double A and struggled. Sawinski was called up from double A. And outside of the homers, early on, he was struggling. It was defense was still good. His defense was great. And that's the thing with Triolo. His defense could play tomorrow. You know, because you can say the same thing about Hayes. His defense is good, but his bat still hasn't come around. Yeah, outside of the abbreviated 2020 season. We don't know if it's a wrist issue or the back issues or if this is just what we have. Granted, Hayes' defense on its own is worth the contract. But you need to score runs from some positions. Defense keeps runs off the board, but doesn't put them on for our side. Yep. So That's that is my hedges. Yeah. <laughs> you wait till hedges has double digit home runs. I will probably we wait for a, a long time for a career. <laughs> Actually, I think like home runs is the only thing that he hits. I think the one year he had like 17 or 18 home runs. I wouldn't think he'd play enough to get to that because he's mostly like a backup catcher. And I think when Andy or Davis comes up, that's likely where he ends up. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. 2017, 18 home runs with the Padres. Wow. 120 games. Yeah. 2022, 105 games with Cleveland. He's, I mean, we're going to get into the catching situation, I guess, next week. 14, um, 14, 11. Yep. So the, he's got some pop. That's about it. Yeah. If he can pretty much duplicate, duplicate 2017 or 2018, I think those numbers would be fine for what we need from him. Yeah. Can't see that. I'm not even talking, but... Like I'm not even talking home runs. I'm just I'm just talking his average. If he could be somewhere around 220, 230, and add a couple home runs with his defense, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. He's he's been a below average player every season. But the defense has been great. And really that's all that's all we're looking for right now. And and him as a mentor. But so let's let's talk back outfield. Um, if you had to say who you think they're going to pick these three guys and who you would pick these three guys, who are those the the three that you think they will pick and the three that you would pick? And are we're they talking different? opening opening, opening day? day? Yep, opening day, starting lineup. Um, who do we have to open the season? Orioles? All right. No, opening day. The Reds or something. What? Who are we opening the season against? 
Oh, I don't know. Oh, I just got spring training in the background for mine. All right. So opening day right now. Yes. Reynolds in center. Sawinski in right. And it's a toss-up between Andahar and, I believe, Joe in left. Okay. Is who you think they're going to pick. That's who I think they're going to pick. All right. And who would you pick? You just switch out the left fielder for CSN? Yeah, I'd like to see CSN get an extended look right from the right from the uh, get go. Yeah, I like CSN there. Um, for me, I'd probably go Sawinski in right, Reynolds in left, and then put Bay in center. I think that Bay at like your number nine option. Because I was basing it on okay, so <laughs> I had Bay at ten because they don't have him listed as an outfielder. I would have had him higher if they did have him listed as an outfielder. I also That's don't silly because it was your list. It is my list. Um, that's <laughs> I don't have these ranked on how I would see them. I have it ranked as how I think the team sees them because I agree with you saying Reynolds, Sawinski, and Duar for opening day gives them a lefty, a righty, and switch hitter and Reynolds. But if I were choosing based off of like my personal feelings on it, which is biased, I'd have Reynolds in left because I think he'd handle it better. Still keep Swinski in right because arm, defense, um, and the power potential is right there. And then I'd have Bay in center because I feel like he has more speed to cover the ground. Would be a lot easier on Reynolds because he wouldn't have to range to his left as much either. And we'd be able to put him at the top of the lineup as that, you know, Juan Pierre type player. Now, in two weeks, when Reynolds gets traded, what's your uh, outfield look like? I have no idea. We're going to have to see what he gets traded for. So, I would, at that so, point, I have Bay in center, CSN in left, Swinsky still in right. So, if he gets traded to – all right, let's say he gets traded to the Mariners. Then I've got Julio Rodriguez in right. Um <laughs> Did you? They're going to do some sort of a weird trade where we end up with Judge. I'm going to have Judge in second right. It's just two, <laughs> two right fielders. And Did you uh, see Trout what will the, play uh, left and center. What the proposed trade was, was it, I believe, two years ago when the Mariners were trying to get Reynolds? Did it involve J-Rod? Yes. I, I've seen so many proposed but trades. But it wasn't that the Mariners weren't offering him Pittsburgh wanted him, and it was like... Kalanick? I don't know if it was Kalanick. Hancock, Brash. Those are the guys I keep seeing. Rodriguez is the the one that just stuck out. But it was like, I'm like, oh my God, we could have pulled that off. (laughs) He's very talented. I mean, good for the Mariners, sticking their guns and keeping them, but... Yeah. So, but I, I think that the, the main thing is 
with the outfield. And this is going to change because we've got a lot of guys um, as, as we look down to the minor league levels. There is certainly depth for outfield. Guys who are not yet on the 40-man. Uh, let me pull those up now. And guys who are kind of like multi-positional who could end up being in the outfield as well. Like uh, Paguero possibly ends up out there. I don't know. I'm not really sure. We've got Matt Frazier, Hudson Head, Matt Gorski, Fabricio Macias, uh, Josh Palacios, the minor league rule five pickup that we got. Connor Scott, Lolo Sanchez, Rodolfo Nolasco, Sammy Siani. I saw, I think it was the Australian league. He was having a crazy good game the other night. Jace Bowen. So there's, there's and then going down, you know, Tanner Treadaway, draft pick from last year, Lonnie White Jr., draft pick from two years ago. Um, like, there's a lot of really interesting outfield talent throughout the system. I don't think it's as strong as it could be at the major league level. I don't know if Charrington is going to sign somebody else as it has been talked about because the, you know, Velade and Joe moves have kind of just been filler. I I see them as basically replacement level because they're not somebody who you're seeing as the future of the organization. Right. But infield next week, I'm excited about because ton of options and you look at the depth. Some really interesting, I mean, like all of the interesting prospects are infielders. Yes, my worst nightmare. Or pitchers. <laughs> Your worst nightmare? Yeah. Hey, a couple more weeks. We've got the, uh, when are we starting that? The top 30. Top 30 starts next month, February oh, that's 5th. Right. That's that's. That's my worst nightmare. <laughs> Talking middle infield is just the second. Uh, yeah. We got to get Steven on that. Good luck. Top 30. 30 through 21 starts February 5th as part of our regular episode, I think. We'll see how it goes from there. Um, I'm just going to open up my tablet from last year. <laughs> just remove guys like Sable. Yeah. There's guys that graduated. They'll be like, all right. Bump everyone up, and then add in the uh, draft picks like Johnson, because I think we did that before the draft last year. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add before we hit to the outro? No, not that I can think of. All right. If Sable somehow comes back, I think he'll he'll play a mix in this, but that's. Big if. So that wraps it up for all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 412 Double Play. Follow Ed at Ed underscore Wassel. Continue listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. From all of us here at 412 Double Play Podcast, thank you for joining us, and let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks.